All right. Welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Very special podcast this week. The second half, we are we will continue our what happened here. We've got a good video. We'll talk about Urban Meyer and I guess from the medical perspective, the the transition and perhaps how the pandemic is still affecting the offseason. Talk about a few other things, but I'm excited to have this guest on. We've corresponded some, but we don't really know each other. We just through Twitter friends and and what have you. I respect his work immensely. And quite honestly, I wanted to have him on because I'm curious about him and what he does and how he does it. I've loved the exchange of ideas that we've had, but no script, nothing. Essentially, this podcast is going to be an eavesdrop of a really introductory conversation between myself and Mike Renner. Mike is the uh, lead draft analyst at Pro Football Focus, right? Yep. And um, I, I, I appreciate your uh, stuff and your insight and how we've talked. And I've been looking forward to this chance to just have a discussion with you. So welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. No, it's an honor to come on. I've been following you years, it seems. To use your like predictive, I see an injury happen on TV. First thing I do is log on to see your Twitter, your opinion on it. Because uh, I was telling you before, my dad was an orthopedic surgeon growing up. And like talking about the injuries was always a very interesting part of the game to me. And kind of that diagnosis and then prognosis part of it has always been something that I'm interested in. So I've, like I said, been following you closely as well. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for coming on here. So um, how did you, I mean, I would imagine... There's people, how did you become the lead draft analyst of Pro Football Focus? I mean, there's no script for this, right? I mean, I'm interested in hearing your story and how this uh, happened and how you got into this. Well, so my birthday was April 27th, which is always around draft time. So I like to say I was born to do this. But no, I, growing up, I loved the draft. I would, for my birthday, I would get a draft guide or multiple draft guides, actually, as I got older every year and I would pour through it, try to figure out, I'm from Milwaukee originally, try to figure out who the Packers were gonna pick. Never really ended up figuring it out, but I still can't figure it out, but that's it kind of grew my love for the game. I didn't go to a high school that even had a football program, so I never got to really scratch that itch. And so I was at Notre Dame, I, had an, I was an accounting major and kind of just didn't knew I didn't wanna do accounting. And so I saw that PFF was hiring. It was low level, pretty, Awful job, to be honest, starting out. I got the job, and then I've worked my way up since then. And this is, uh, I became the draft guy three years ago now, and that's what I've been doing ever since. How long have you been at Pro Football Focus? Started in 2012. So it'll be nine years this August, so about eight and a half years now. So you're someone who, you know, went to school then figured out that's not what I really want to do, found your passion job, mm -hmm. and worked your way up. Now you're one of the, the main guys. Oh yeah, I would have hated my life if I stuck in accounting. I mean, I hated it back then. I hated just like studying it. I got <laughs> bad grades because of it. So I found something that I could actually work hard at and that, you know, put my skills to use hopefully. Oh, cool, very, very good. So since you mentioned you're a Packers fan, do you have a- uh, I did growing up. I don't have one like now at my place. <laughs> I don't know where one is, but it, maybe at my parents' place, it might still be there. I see uh, a couple of the, uh, Packers jersey in the back. Uh, Rogers over there on the wall. Actually, the founder uh, Neil Hornsby gave that to me after last year's draft. Actually, so. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, 
tell me a little bit how you do your job with your analysis and, and, and how perhaps injuries and how you analyze injuries and how that plays the role. Yeah, so I kind of am the blend, the intermediary between what all this data says. You know, we have more data on these college football prospects than anyone's ever had at any point in human history. Like we collect everything that happens on the football field, every route they run, uh, every, you know, coverage responsibility, all this stuff. But we're still trying to figure out what it all means for a guy projected from the college to the NFL, because it is so different and no one has, you know, cracked the code yet. And so I'm the intermediary between what all that data says, what the film says, how athletic the guy is. And then, like you said, injuries off field, how that all factors in. And it's something that is a huge factor that kind of the unfortunate part is us being you know, outside observers don't get to actually get their medical records, get to go behind the scenes, know how, how their recovery is from certain injuries, because not always, you know, not everyone uh, recovers the same way. So we don't get necessarily that aspect, but it is something where when a guy does have you know, certain injuries, whether it was Tua last year, maybe Landon Dickerson this year, the Alabama center, or it's like, if you're not factoring it in, you're not doing your job uh, as an independent draft evaluator. Well, you know, I haven't, you know, uh, scratched the surface yet on injury analysis yet for uh, the upcoming draft class, but I have to probably get from you the list of the top 10 I have to address or something. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll work on that and uh, then I can uh, share it with you. But you mentioned Tua and we talked about Tua, right? Uh, DM and whatever. And it kind of went where we thought, right? I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. He's, he's going to be ready for the season, but he's not going to play because of the pandemic and his hip right now, I think is kind of an afterthought for most people right now. Right. I mean, it's kind of uh, not at, at least not a front burner idea. And that's kind of what we said. He's going to be a top 10 pick somewhere. If he's number one overall before the hip injury, he's not falling out of the top 10. I mean, it's still at the top of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's a kind of a dual fold conversation there with one being the fact that quarterbacks, like if that's any other position on the football field, I don't think teams are willing to risk it at nearly as much. And teams are not going to say, Oh, you know, the hip injury, but I do think quarterbacks themselves can like, no one's talking about Dak's ankle anymore either. Like, no one really cared about that after he signed his $40 million deal. That didn't even impact the process. But then also, I, I do think people aren't talking about it, but I do think there's also a point where there is something to it. Like he did, he did this past year going from college to the NFL, suffering something that catastrophic meant there's a mental aspect to it too, that I think maybe got overlooked as his rookie year about how, how he didn't look like the guy at Alabama. Well, I, I don't necessarily think I'd expect him to after going through what he went through after that injury. And then people kind of forgot about it, but like, yeah, that's still something that not always do guys come back and have the same mental makeup and may, maybe takes them a while in such a physical game like football to feel comfortable with that injury like that. No question. The mental side is huge. And obviously a lot of other things too, like the speed of the game and other things yeah. and confidence. And, you know, I, I talked on Jay Fiedler's podcast and he was talking about how uh, Tua seemed to do very well, except rolling out a certain direction. He had a, a more difficult time making throws but your point is right about quarterback because look 
I love Alex Smith. What a great story and the whole deal. But if he plays any other position, there's no way he's playing football, period, in the discussion, right? And it should make it the come, Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year award. But he wasn't anywhere close to himself and whatever. But I want to talk about someone we haven't talked about, um, Jalen Smith, right? When he came through the draft and with his knee dislocation injury and the nerve, which, uh, you know, I guess I sort of broke some news on to indicate there was a nerve issue, but it was off his own post, which is why I said he's, he's got that ankle foot orthosis. So remind you, when he, when he injured his knee, I was skiing with the kids and I got Twitter video and I was like, oof, I, you know, that's a knee dislocation. Hope his nerve is okay, right? And as it turned out, the nerve wasn't. And, and uh, right before combines, he himself posted something saying seven weeks, my brace is off and I'm headed to a workout in the weight room. And indeed his knee brace was off, but you could see the foot drop ankle foot arthrosis. Uh, and this was right before combines. And because he posted that, I thought it was fair that I would comment on it. How, what have your thoughts been on how he's projected and that injury and where it's probably timely in the news right now is that the Cowboys did pick up his, seven some million dollar option that if you read articles everyone's saying he's overpaid he's overvalued now and he sh they should have gotten out of that contract but maybe this is a more complete story going from draft and where he's coming here give me your thoughts on him so he so obviously i watched him closely being Notre Dame guy watched his whole career there. yes that's what and your draft an analyst position yeah, yeah. uh-huh he's a, he's different like it, it has impacted his game I don't think in a straight line coming downhill explosive. I don't think that's changed much at all, but man, he was so agile and so smooth when he changed directions back in Notre Dame. That was kind of the big selling points. Like this guy could play safety if you wanted him to. And he was 235 pounds, like just a real natural athlete. And I think that aspect of his game has gone by the wayside. He is a different player. Now you can, it's not nearly as impactful if you're a box linebacker and really just a lot of your game is in a straight line. A lot of your game is coming downhill, but I do think you see it when he has to stop, start, change directions. It's not the same guy. Unfortunately, I mean, he's still been a good linebacker, but I think it's why when he went from that scheme, we saw the Rod Marinelli scheme to this past year when he's asked to do a little bit more and just has a little bit more on his plate did not, it just looked bad. And that's why people wanted him cut. And it's unfortunate, but yeah, I do think that that has been one of those injuries that you worry about where the actual lingering effects are have changed the player themselves. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk that he's back and the nerve issue. And, and you know, look, I think he's a great kid. I've never met him. Obviously, he's a very hard worker. And he's, as Bill Polian said, a generational talent. But so historically, when I said and saw that, I said, to me, I didn't, not only was he not a first day pick, I thought he was a day three pick. Now, obviously Dallas, the Dallas doctor did the work and they picked him. And obviously the first year was a wash. The second year was a pseudo wash. The third year, he did better than most expected, right? But you could see his lateral movement change of direction was there. He could hit that A gap hard and, you know, do it very well. He could chase guys down, but changing directions in the open field wasn't his thing. And I think that's where now he's not done as well. Look, Dallas fans, you know, uh, I think hated me over that because I was 
saying this is just the truth you're like you're hating on this kid no i'm just telling you and then and then when he got the big contract like see you're wrong but look he's probably was a generational talent and now straight line he's still probably tops but just the overall the injury changed the trajectory of his career i mean you know i think and uh you know imagine if he still had that sideline to sideline and change of direction he'd be unbelievable yeah, I mean, people, so the linebacker this year, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa coming out, people are talking about him as, you know, probably top top 20 pick in the draft. Smith was a better a better prospect than J- Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. He was same level of kind of athleticism, but then also about 20, to 20 or so pounds bigger. So sadly, I mean, it doesn't look anything like that guy anymore that we saw, and that it's definitely because of that knee injury. Yeah, that's, that's too bad. Well, one of the things, and it doesn't as much have to do with the draft, but one of the things I think that you guys overall at Pro Football Focus do extremely well is, you know, with the analytics and predictive value on a, you know, season-long basis, right? And I think the one thing that I try and do is, like, honestly, copy what you guys do, obviously just looking at injuries, but... I call what I do microanalytics. This week, given that knee questionable, is it going to be no problem and he's going to be himself to pro football focus ratings? Or this week, which routes on the route tree will be difficult for that wide receiver to run? And I call it, so what, I, what you guys do is very quantitative and, and big picture. And kind of what I do is very qualitative and individual. How does the hip injury affect Tua versus someone else or this wide receiver, this ankle injury, and not grading all MCLs as the same and week one, week two, or week three coming back off injury? What's the effect? Very qualitative and micro, where you guys are quantitative and macro, and you guys are the leaders of your field. What do you think about that? That's the way I look at it. That's actually interesting because that's kind of how I view a a lot of draft prospects. You know, a lot of cornerbacks can get, uh, like we, like I said, we have these grades on these guys. A lot of cornerbacks can get high grades, but some get them via, you know, they're playing zone coverage. Some get get them via they're playing man coverage. And the one grade doesn't really tell you that. And like you're saying there, this guy has a high, or this guy's this player, this guy is this good but he's all straight line speed and whatever injury he has here is going to rob his straight line speed. So he's not going to be good all of a sudden, but maybe he's a guy who's all straight line speed and it's going to rob his lateral agility and it's not going to matter because he's a straight line speed guy. So I think that's, we're kind of coming at it from the same lens then. And that's a lot of, I do with the injury analysis that I try that I can get my hands on for the college game is like, how does this impact the actual player themselves? And then you obviously have the knowledge of, timetables for post-injury and whatnot yeah and and obviously in season is is where a lot of this is is uh at uh etc so uh are you i have to ask you are you breaking out now into to uh being a a break a news breaker with your uh seahawks fullback announcement one uh nick's my friend so i I know him i'm gonna actually see him (laughs) in a couple weeks here i'm going on a bachelor party with him so he (laughs) I said, he texted me saying he was going to resign, said he had a few offers. He's like, I'm going to stay with Seattle. I'm like, can I, first thing I texted back, I'm like, can I break it? And he's like, 
all right, yeah, you can break it, but wait, like, a, wait until I actually sign before. I don't want to get. <laughs> I know this is worth a lot more to me than it is to you, so I don't want to get this thing pulled off the table. <laughs> well, that's that, that's cool to, to to say that. I saw your tweets on that. I thought it was uh, funny and good. So this is a, a one trick pony. You're not going to go into this business. Yeah, I don't got a lot more friends in the NFL that are going to be telling me that they signed. Not yet. I don't know. We'll see if I make some more. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. There are a lot of times I think I know some things like injury wise or whatever, but I'm sworn to secrecy, like HIPAA. Yeah. I can't say anything. I mean, look, uh, I don't know if you saw last week with Drew Brees' retirement. I've never told that story of him getting injections in his shoulder and how he sort of, you know, preserved his career. But like, I couldn't tell it until finally I texted Drew and say, can I tell it now? And he's like, okay, <laughs> you know, right. So just like you, I don't break news. I, I look at it this way. I'm dealing in insider knowledge not insider information. And I think that's true for you too, right? I mean, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people aren't, people aren't coming to me for, for news. And <laughs> really not, a, not even a business I want to be in, to be honest, it sounds awful. Like you're on, on the clock 24 seven, two cell phones. I want to, when I'm, when I'm done, I want to be off, you know? Well, I mean, that's what I think that has been the luckiest thing that I've done falling into this. Like, I, I, like your dad, I'm still an orthopedist. That's what I do. This isn't a prop get up, you know, kind of deal. Um, that's the day job that pays the bills. This quote side gig. I mean, early on, I thought about figuring this as breaking news. This is the injury he has, but I don't know it as a fact. And I don't want to be a source guy and be tied to it. I'm much better. Just, I'm just doing analysis and then hang yeah. it up. The only problem with that is like even with Tua and this weekend with LeBron, because people want me to look at other video now. I mean, that still leaks into, I still remember Tua. I was at Costco, sharp shopping cart full of stuff for kids and what have you, when my phone's going off I mean, what happened to Tua? I'm like, I'm looking at cell phone video saying he dislocated his hip. And the same thing this weekend, I'm looking at cell phone video on Saturday saying, LeBron, that's a high ankle sprain. So it still gets me a little bit, you know, the after hours, weird time stuff. But it's funny, actually, the tour one, I was at Disney World with my parents. And so my dad was there and showed him the video. And he's like, that's, he said it was a hip location too. He's See, like, there you go. <laughs> he's like, that's not a, that's not a good way to fall. He's like, that's how a lot of hip yeah. dislocations happen. Well, so. kudos to your dad. And, yeah, he, he and, got and I'm sure your dad tells you too, like in his office, when someone comes in, Oh, I hurt myself playing uh, indoor soccer. Well, what happened? I was going this way. My knee went this way. The guy ran into me. That's the video it's for yeah, traumatic yeah. injuries. That's kind of how I do what, what I do there. All right. So I know you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on. Analysis going on. So the final question for you, small world in terms of what's going on. Mike Fleiss is one of my actually good friends. He's oh, a wow. huge Charger fan. And yeah. we talk football all the time. I try to get him calling, come on the podcast, but he's like, ah, I'm not doing that stuff anymore because it'd be fun. Tell me about the bachelor and the, and the, and your experience and whole, all that. I never actually got to meet Mike, but oh, really? it was, it was a lot of fun. It was such a weird, it almost feels like an out of body experience looking back at it. Cause I mean, you're, it is not real life. You're kind of in this house with 20 guys you just met with every single pretty much person there. You don't know. And you're kind of just thrown into a different world altogether. So looking back, it's it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't really feel like real life. But I was only there for I think three weeks total, like the whole experience. So it wasn't like well, three that. weeks is a long time to be yeah, in yeah, that but, place, but was, with it, right? That's a yeah. 
I mean, it was, it was just, I'm glad I did it. It, it didn't really, uh, didn't obviously find love. I'm still, do, still looking for that one, but uh, it was, it was, I was just, I guess say, I'll say it was like an out of body experience. It was just a weird time. If, but if, back and it was fun. If, if Mike offered it to you, would you become the bachelor? <laughs> oh man. <sighs> Probably not at this point. It's, I really, it's kind of been, it would just be, I don't think it would work out for me. I don't know. I just, I feel like that's such a weird, I don't feel like I could be myself in that setting with like 30 people around me. I don't know if I would do it. When you, when you analyze your perspective dates, do you do like a draft like analysis? I'm, just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Don't. Pros, cons. I mean, subconsciously you analyze everything a little bit like that. You give the pros and cons. So yeah, I think I do. <laughs> well that's that's uh yeah let's we'll leave leave it at that i will <laughs> say this though as much as you know we have fun and i've said this to to mike fleiss and others before the reason why football is king i mean i've said this to a lot of guys and they don't believe me at first but really everything's netflix and amazon and all this other stuff right the only thing people watch on network tv anymore is reality TV. Now, hear me out here. The Bachelor, yes, and The Amazing Race. But nightly news, local news, that's reality TV, a different brand of it, but it's still reality TV. But so is football. Why? Yeah. It's 300-pound men with a funny-shaped leather object moving it across a, a white line, right? And in some ways, I mean, obviously, The Bachelor is a artificial set of rules and someone picking and roses and who can do what but football and all the sports march madness it's reality tv that's why people watch it and it's the, i think it's a competition like competition <laughs> loses something with timeliness like if you're not if you're not in the competition live or not part of it in the moment it loses something so you have to watch it every week you, you have to be there when it's all going on or you lose that aspect of the competitiveness of it it feels like it's already something that's been decided and now you're just tuning in later it's not the same to see oral roberts you know make the sweet 16 right anyways anyways i know this is a very busy time of year for you i really appreciate it and yes if you don't mind i will hit you up for the top draft injuries oh yeah and well, honestly, if you want to give me the ones to help you i'll give you the information from what i see and try and research a little bit but i really appreciate your taking the time and hopping on Pro Football Doc Podcast. Normally, we invite you to stay on the second half and be the guest uh, uh, host, uh, co-host here, but I know you're too busy for that, so I appreciate it. So uh, anything else you want to say, Push, or anything before we uh, take a quick break here? Uh, I guess we got a draft guide coming out next Monday, the final version of PFF. You guys want to go get that, get it with any subscription. And we're going to have to have you on our podcast, Doc, to go. I'll give you that list of names. It'll come on and break them down for us because there's, there are a few guys in the first round here that have some serious injury red flags that uh, I'm going to need some more info on. Well, I'd be happy to. And the only thing I would ask is that you can ask me anything you want about NFL injuries, and I don't need uh, uh, you know, a cheat sheet on what to do. But for college, I do because I watch so much sports that it's all NFL. I actually don't watch a lot of college, and that's just a comp compromise for my family and, and yeah. wife. So I do need the primer to go research and look at film and, and figure that out. So anyways, thank you, Mike Renner, Pro Football Focus. Thanks for being on the Pro Football Doc podcast. 
we'll take a quick break and uh, let Mike go and we'll come back and continue. All right, welcome back to the second part of this week's Pro Football Doc podcast, uh, March Madness podcast. Thankfully, there weren't a lot of injuries to talk about. Um, uh, one guy got hip checked, I forget who it was, and before I could even tweet something, I was like, oh, he's going to be fine. And uh, so let's hope we keep it that way. But a lot of good other topics today. Um, I want to talk about Urban Meyer and and honestly, the differences between the NFL and college, uh, three feet and six feet. And we'll talk about uh, LeBron a little bit, but then uh, of course conclude with uh, what happened here. We got a, a good one. Let's kick off here. We talked a little bit about um, Jacksonville Jaguars when, you know, when I said, you know, they let a guy go that I thought was a very good athletic trainer. And uh, that, is uh, something that might come back to bite him. Something else new came on as I uh, find it here. Here we go. Um, let's see. Where do I? Here we go. So Urban Meyer is not a fan of the free agency thing. He says, "Quote that was awful." Three de decades of coaching in college. Uh, his exact quote was, yeah, that was awful. I don't agree with it, but no one asked my opinion. I guess in the old days, you could bring them in and meet them, have dinner with them. You find out football intellect, find out character. Basically, you can't do that now, right? And he didn't like it. But basically, you know, he was saying in college, you could... Um, you know, you bring guys in for visits and you can sit with them in the living room and, and you can talk to them and get to know them. There's no question that that is the case. There's no question that the more information that you get, I mean, it's like if you're in your job and you're hiring someone off a resume or would you like to interview them as well, right? I mean, so I get Urban Meyer's point and it's a good one but obviously the way the NFL works it doesn't work that way money talks and everything happens so quick so my interpretation of what Urban Meyer is saying and this is just my interpretation so it could be spot on it could be completely wrong is that it's a different system this speaks to some of the things in college you have complete and total control of your and the guys have to fall in line in the nfl you have to win over the team which is why i said maybe it would be smart to retain that really good athletic trainer so it's not always about my guy it's about the best guy that we talked about that in a podcast and i'm not saying that Urban Meyer won't be successful i'm just saying it's different in the nfl the way i've seen it i worked at colleges with athletes and student athletes and in the locker room in the nfl it's different they're all independent thinkers and you have to win them over. And it's a different system, right? And I think a little bit what Urban Meyer is saying is in, a, in some way, the system really sucked for him because he was an outsider. He doesn't have as many NFL contacts. He's been following college football, visiting college football campuses, doing the game day college stuff. He knows college and the draft probably better than most head coaches in the NFL. But in terms of 
pro player personnel, that's a different guy. Pro, pro player personnel and college draft analyst is different. So the NFL guys are probably better pro player personnel guys because they played against this guy and with this guy and they know that coach and they know this scheme. The, the NFL coaches don't know what scheme you know, uh, uh, Texas runs on offense or defense. So it's harder to know, but they know what scheme the Texans run. And if that player will fit in their offense or defense or not, it's pro, pro player personnel thing. So that's where I think urban was potentially at a disadvantage here because free agency is all about pro personnel and it's, he's not as used to that. And also I would imagine there might be some Oh, old boys club slash maybe jealousy factor. It, it is a who you know. Look, in the NFL, often you'd say, call up your buddy who's the linebacker coach somewhere and say, what's that guy really like, right? And I, maybe Urban doesn't have the same connections in the NFL level, right? He hasn't gone to all the NFL combines where you meet and uh, down into the senior bowl games where you mingle with everyone and get to know people. And his time has been in college, which is a little different world versus the pros. And he probably also thought it was awful because he felt like he was shorthanded, A, compared to what he normally can do in college, but B, because he's not ingrained in this NFL system, which may make him super successful, right? Fresh outlook and not the group think that's in the NFL, but it probably was a lot harder to gather information. And I'll give you an analogy. As a team physician, before free agency or whenever there was a potential trade or something, often the GM would talk to the athletic trainer and then talk to me and say, tell me what the story is on this guy's hip and uh, or whatever. So let's say if you're the Giants and signing Kenny Galladay, and I don't know that this happened in New York, but this probably would have been what happened with the Chargers when I was there. The GM would quietly say, hey, find out what you can and internet search, figure out what he has, because you're starting to make offers before you actually see them. You don't get the hands-on exam yet. And yes, you get the hands-on exam before they get their money and they pass their physical. Uh, but in that legal tampering window of two days, you don't get that opportunity. So it's a little bit of reconnaissance. And uh, I've made phone calls before. Uh, and uh, if I were with the Giants and the Giants did it the same way as the Chargers, I might've been calling my buddy, the doctor uh, at, uh, at uh, John Anderson or, or, or or any of the other doctors and say, what was the deal with Kenny Galladay? Now we'd say for continuity of care, so to avoid HIPAA or, you know, you try and get some information, basically like coaches call around the league, athletic trainers call around the league. And let me tell you, after I've been a few years in the NFL, uh, I was able to do that a lot more efficiently than in the first few years. In the first few years, I trained with the guy in Minnesota. I knew the guy in Cleveland but I didn't have as much of a broad reach. But as we played other teams, got used to them, was in the, uh, and I had been to a few combines. So we sort of knew the Bengals doctor to my left and the Jets doctor here and the 
Titans doctor and the Jaguars doctors because we shared a room at the combines. But the more people you got to know, the more tentacles, the more sources, the more, hey, off the record, you know, the more trust. And Urban's going to get that, obviously. He just hasn't been in that world. And that's probably what made it harder or, quote, more awful for Urban, the transition, but also, you know, the difference. But who knows? Maybe that'll give him a unique perspective that he's going to excel at it. But that's kind of the deal with that. My thoughts on why it was so awful for, for uh, Urban Meyer. The next thing I want to talk about here, and please don't get upset at me. I'm just talking about this because um, it's something that, that I think is important. And there are lessons to be learned from football and what have you. So the CDC has just come out and said, they're relaxing social distance guidance for schools. Um, and uh, it used to say six feet, now it is three feet, but a couple things on that. Number one, there's nothing absolute. It's not like if you're three feet, one inch, you're 100% safe and you're two feet, 11 inches, and now it's a problem. It's you know the direction you're facing, the airflow, indoors, outdoors, if you're symptomatic, if you're shedding virus, viral load. So there's no magic. It's sort of like saying, uh, if you give yourself five car lengths in front of you, you'll never rear end someone or get in a car accident. That's not just not true. You're safer if you have five don't tailgate and you have five car lengths in front of you, um, one car length per 10 miles an hour, whatever they say in driver ed training. That's sort of this three feet, six feet thing. It's not always six feet. It's not always three feet. It's just guidelines, right? And now they're saying three feet indoors for students seems to be okay. And I'm not knocking the CDC, don't write me, you know, whatever. I, look, I get it. Initially you said six feet because you wanted to be safer, but now you're saying three feet is okay because you're seeing it. I, I get it. I'm just saying that, that this is a quantum change. And I think the NFL possibly helped drive it. And here's how. Because there was no across the sideline, across the line of scrimmage transmission even though everyone was tackling each other. And yeah, I get it, the NFL tests and the whole deal, but still closed spaces is a different story. And teaching in school is a closed space. But here's what I found interesting. Two things I found very interesting. First of all, the three feet designation the CDC says is uh, there's confidence that three feet of physical distance is safe. They made no comment about direction. I mean, to me, students back to back within one feet, fate not facing each other is safer than three feet facing each other, right? I mean, uh, because of airflow and, and what have you, if you're back to back, your airflow's away from each other. That's a whole different point. They're, they're not making the distinction for grade school kids or others. They're treating kindergartners, second graders, sixth graders, eighth graders, and 12th graders as the same which here's why I think is significant. I think it's been known for a while that young kids have a harder time on Zoom and young kids don't seem to get it. Maybe they can transmit it. You gotta be careful of the teachers. I, I get all of that, but we haven't had kids getting 
themselves. Now, they bring it home to mom and dad and grandma, grandpa, grandma. Yeah, that's something to worry about. But at least the kids don't. But if the interesting thing here is that what the CDC said isn't, okay, we're good with grade school kids because we don't see that. They were okay with high schoolers. And medically, it's not the age of 18 where you're an adult. I mean, medically, yes, children's hospitals will take care of you till you're 18 or 21. We have the 21-year-old drinking and the 18-year-old to vote and 18, you're an adult. But medically, you're an adult, at least orthopedically, when you stop growing. So that can be the age of 13, 14 for sure, right? Depending on uh, guy, girl, development, et cetera. You're an adult, really. I mean, sports medicine is the same when you tear, when your growth plates are closed and you tear your ACL, whether you're 14, whether you're 18, or whether you're 24. So that, honestly, the CDC guidelines, I'm wondering if they're gonna expand that to college. And if you extend that to college, where does the line stop? Is it 25 year olds, 21 year olds, 30 year olds? It's gonna be relative. Are we gonna get something where I say, look, a school age kids under 18, it's three feet and college it's four feet. And then the workplace for healthy 40 year olds, it's four feet, but grandma, grandpa, it's six feet or 12 feet. I mean, I don't know, right? So I'm just saying this is interesting. It has lots of implications and thoughts as to what is going to happen. But the biggest thing that I think people haven't talked about here is plastic shields or barriers between desks can be removed. We don't have a lot of evidence of their effectiveness. That I think was a, something that was hidden in all of this. So. I'm personally excited because my second graders now, soon to be third graders, I mean, with a mask and a shield and six feet, first of all, I don't even know how they were gonna go back to school or public school, but I mean, with the shield in the way, I mean, it's, that makes it very hard to, to see and in, uh, in, uh, hear. I mean, uh, I kid you not, my nephew, I won't say school, <laughs> uh, Suffice it to say, my nephew attends a high-end, very sought-after private school. And uh, he takes the school private bus to go to school. He showed up in class a few minutes late, but it was the school-supplied bus that was late. And this was a day he was supposed to be in class. He's not always in class. And he told me, and uh, I'm not trying to call out the school, so I won't go there, but... Christian, I guarantee you, you know what school I'm talking about, okay? Uh, and uh, his teacher said all the spots were taken in the classroom. And since you're late, you have to sit in the hallway. So he sat in the hallway, couldn't see the screen because he was, you know, off angle couldn't really hear because the teacher had a mask on and he's got a mask on. He's sitting on the ground in the hallway and the price of tuition at this school is more expensive than most colleges. This is my nephew. And I'm like, the silliness. And, and where I felt bad, Christian, for him is he's new to this school. He's a freshman. He transferred in. This school starts at a younger grade. He doesn't know anyone because of the pandemic. And, and imagine, think back to your freshman year, like the, the, the awkwardness and the whole thing. 
and now the poor kid that doesn't really know made us sit in the hallway. I don't know. Uh, don't get me started. Obviously, you already did. Sorry about that. Suffice it to say, I hope we can safely do a lot of different things and just have some uh, logic. Uh, what else? In the offseason here, um, uh, the Saints did, after all, get docked a six-round draft pick for their locker room celebrations, I guess, but not until 2022, so I'm not sure what that's all about, but in any case. Um, other things going on include, um, let's see, um, let's see, how do I, sorry guys, I lost where I was going here. Um, LeBron, yes, we talked about it, I was out at Costco. So let's see what LeBron has here. LeBron. Let's see. Right there. High ankle sprain. That's how we know. And it's a contact injury. It's not that he's getting old. See, doesn't this look like the football injuries we've talked about before? This is not a basketball style low inversion ankle sprain. This is a high ankle sprain. We've talked about it look is worse longer return he's not playing until april at the earliest and we'll be lucky if it's early april but so we're still doing analysis here and let's end here with um what happened here i get sent this uh by video actually you know toying with an idea <laughs> maybe tell me what you guys think of this People send me video all the time and say, analyze this, or this is my friend, and this is the slip and fall. Um, they've talked to me about it, but I've been shy about doing it. What if I saw, actually signed up with, let's say, Cameo? Instead of, hi, I'm Dr. Chow, happy birthday. It's, hey, this is the analysis of the private video that you sent. And it'd be a lot of friends goofing on friends, I think. But, and I gave the money to charity, San Diego Sports Medicine Foundation, um, toying with that idea. Essentially, it's what happened here. And by the way, this was sent over to me publicly. Uh, I hope the guy's okay. But let's uh, look at his video here and uh, go over this. Um, and this will be our closer. What happened here? Here you go. I'll expand it. It'll play again and again. So right there. And you can see it. So that obviously is a pec rupture, right pec rupture. Pec muscle to the tendon. I guess Christian, my producer, is saying I should have warned people a little more. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I should have warned you more. My bad, okay? Um, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I should have warned you more. I, I mean, I've seen it. Maybe I'm numb to it. I apologize. So going over the video again, and we'll freeze frame stop it. The muscle attaches to the tendon. The tendon pops then the muscle contracts and you see the defect and your pec obviously means it's, it's a pushing muscle. That's what he's using right there. And that's a lot of weight. I didn't even calculate it, but 
right there, right? And the most impressive thing about the video, I want to be this guy. I guess, I know there's a guy here and there's probably, there's a guy here, but both, all three of these guys, especially this guy, this guy looks like a beast, man. He, how does that, how does he catch him like that? I mean, <laughs> this guy might be the hero here. I mean, honestly, we've had football players too with this, where you, um, where, where you end up um, getting the trachea injuries because the bar bench pressing, you know, it collapses and without a spotter, it goes on to you, right? So um, in any case, um, so anyways, uh, sorry for you guys that little squeamish there. I thought Mike Renner was a good guy, good guest. Thank you to Mike Renner for, for coming on. I appreciate his work. And uh, thank you for watching the Pro Football Doc podcast. We'll continue with some of these fun topics this uh, off season. And uh, good luck with your brackets in uh, March Madness. And uh, thanks for all the nice uh, uh, five-star reviews uh, wherever you listen to the podcast.